Welcome to Hattrick City on WXCI 91.7, Danbury's only all-hockey radio show. Uh, I know that some in our audience don't know the finer points of hockey. You want me to dummy you again? Hattricks, baby! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Hattrick City for the first time in 2024. I'm your host, DJ Patty Cake, as always joined here by DJ Uncle Matt here in the WXCI studios. Got a few things to talk about today. Um, obviously, Happy New Year. Uh, we're back. Happy New Year, everybody. Decided to take the holiday week off. Had a few things going on for us, both personally and I was a little under the weather for the week, so figured just kind of leave it alone, enjoy the holiday season as much as we can, come back. We've got a nice, very long and interesting episode for you guys with Ryan Devine. Uh, before we get into that, though, uh, we briefly wanted to talk about a few things. Um, the Winter Classic, what a game. Um, Seattle ended up being the Vegas Golden Knights 3 to nothing with Joey Decord getting the first shutout in a Winter Classic game ever. Uh, ever. So that was pretty impressive to see him go. And he was one that was playing in Coachella last year. Um, was a big help in taking them to that that big finals run that they had you know ultimately come up short to the Hershey Bears but either way that kicked in play and you know he's he's definitely in his uh his spot there I'd say yeah I I'm probably gonna have a cold take on it and just say that it was you know it's the non-traditional outdoor game then if you have a, sh- a shutout like that and it was an impressive shutout uh, that was one of the first you know that was something that was being discussed uh, by the commentators and and not only that but my buddy and I Cody were just watching it and that it's got to be more difficult as a goalie the elements the glare uh, maybe occasionally some wind I said they I think they said it was around 40 degrees yeah 40 so degrees. you know um I thought it was an interesting winter classic I'm not sure really those ice conditions unless you know my uh my television wasn't uh optimized quite properly um it did seem like the puck was moving a little slower than it normally would have but um and then you didn't get the elements of kind of like a back and forth shootout like you've you've had in in the past in some of these games i think there was a pretty competitive game a few years ago between Philly and Pittsburgh where they were just back and forth outside yeah. in the uh, the stadium series. Um, in this case, you get a 3-0 win uh, for Seattle over Las Vegas. Again, um, I don't want to take anything away from Vegas. I, you know, I, if, you know, it, here's a WWE moment. You know, it's, listen, if you buy an NHL franchise, you're going to get an all-star game. You're going to get an outdoor game. It's probably all in the contract now. You know, the people want to know how quickly they're going to be able to be um, kind of uh, highlighted on these international levels. Like I said, with a winter classic or an all-star game, people looking at these these games uh, around the world. So, um, yeah, you get Vegas in it. I don't know if that's as cool. Again, I don't know if that's as cool a even graphically speaking a matchup if it was Seattle and Vancouver like that just makes way more sense to me and I mean I think that they did it um the way that they did it and I don't mean to single out anybody especially anybody who might have once done the black and orange of Danbury uh, yeah it might have been a riot if it was the Vancouver versus Seattle um kind of 
confrontation there in, in a winter classic game. It could have gotten intense afterwards. But I think that that was a missed opportunity. It turns into a 3 nothing game. That could Yesterday, the way Vegas played, that might as well have been in the San Jose Sharks. Yeah, could have been could have been the Philadelphia Flyers because the, there was really no drama. No. It was a three nothing. I mean, it was a good game for the goalie. He had a great shutout win, but it, you don't you don't even see the aggression or the emotion that you hoped um, you might see, and even in a three nothing game. Um, uh, so that's that's basically my take on it. I know it's a little cold, but again. I think that these outdoor games are going to work best, and I think the Stadium Series recognizes that, and that's why this is the Winter Classic. I think the Winter Classic is somehow to... The differ, the the way they differentiate it, I, I'm just kind of not 100% on anymore because the Stadium Series is now like kind of more of a geographical-based... Yeah event where you're going to New Jersey and the four teams within driving distance of MetLife Stadium are all going to play um in in 2024 um but yeah this just it didn't make as much sense to me and the stupidest thing was the way the players were dressed walking in that was just stupid I don't think I don't think any player like I thought about Slapshot like right over the, the fashion show and Slapshot right away. I was like, this is ridiculous. Like the dressed up in these like suspenders and then the Vegas um, Elvis costumes. Again, you know, it's it's I. But that was another thought that crossed my mind. I don't know if you're there yet, Pat. But it's like there's some there's always something kitschy or kind of offbeat or funky or even a little bizarre about the NHL. Yeah. Whether it's the um you know, the Islanders fish sticks logo, you know, the the throwing of um sea creatures on the ice after hat tricks and stuff and rats. Um and uh you know whatever it may be that some hair, I mean, you know, the stuff that you know the, the funky colors at times. It, it sometimes it feels like the NHL never gave up like those weird '90s patterns. They yeah. just kind of repackaged that. Definitely in Anaheim. But uh, listen, I love a good outdoor hockey game. I think the real Winter Classic is going to be the Stadium Series. Those two days. There's there's a lot of fun stuff. It seems like going on. We we talk uh, with Ryan Devine on this episode, and we mentioned Warrior Hockey. And I know want to give a shout out to the Long Island Warriors. Um, I've uh, some guys I know that I've written an article about for Newsday um, on Long Island, and uh, you know the, the Warriors organizations they represent uh, veterans and they bring veterans together to use hockey for uh, therapeutic and team building type of um, exercises. So, yeah, you know I'm I'm more or less um, excited about that. And I, it was, like I said, I think it was a little bit of a missed opportunity with the Winter Classic. Again, it, I enjoyed watching it. I, I sat down with my buddy, and we checked it out. So it uh, it resonated as a fun thing, but just probably a little off the mark this year. I don't know what your thoughts were. Um, I thought it was a good game. I mean, obviously, you know, the the highlight there was was Decord getting the shutout. Um, yeah, and to me, I I think the whole the outfits thing in the beginning. I thought it was kind of a little far-fetched this time around. I mean, they did that for the Heritage Classic um, a few months ago, and 
that was kind of neat the way they did that with like you know having the oilers dress up as oil like you know oil workers and i forgot what um calgary dressed up as or as like you know cowboys and stuff like that it made sense for the event this kind of like especially with the elvis thing they could have done something better than that like i get that's like the whole thing in the vegas trip is elvis impersonators but i don't know I, yeah, that I, wasn't my cup of tea. Yeah, the like I said, man, it just seemed a little wonky. And sometimes the NHL is is wonky. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I think that that's what some people do respect about. Again, if it was going for the wonky NHL, like the glowing puck, um, you know, oh, yeah. I yeah. think I think you got it. But uh, just in the and the um, and I don't. Again, we could we could sit here and talk about this all day. I'd love to know what our friend Dom Alessandro thought. Maybe we could dial him in uh, next week to, to catch up on it. But I wasn't impressed with the uniforms at all. No. I just wasn't at all. Yeah, I, the the Seattle one just looked way too much like the regular jersey with the with the whatever the millionaires kind of scheme. It just it just looked too, Metropolitans. It just looked way too close to me. And the Vegas one. I mean, there. I can't quite tell what the overall theme was. Like, was it like, like a shipwreck plus Vegas? You know, like it's just. I think that you have to get. Uh, there was a lot of ideas at play. Yeah. When you're, you know, and it's funny because this weekend, I was thinking a lot about this, Pat, because th- I want to give a shout out to uh, this wrestling uh, YouTube page. That I came across. Um, it's uh, really well done. I, I went down the rabbit hole with the guy, and it really made me um, stunned by wrestling. And he's got all these lists about the '90s and the characters and the outfits and the, and the passes and fails of those different things. And it just really made me think about how the NHL presented the game. You know, it was just a little weird. Yeah, I mean. I don't know. I'm I'm a little more excited for the stadium series. Me too. Obviously, you know, having our teams that are playing in it, and I'm going to be there at the game, so it's it's definitely going to be a fun one for sure. Um, but to go into kind of more local, last weekend, quite an interesting weekend for the boys, I would say. Um, went to Watertown Friday night, uh, dropped that one seven to two. I mean, when I tuned in at first in the first period, one to one. Then after that, it just kind of got out of hand for them, and you know, they able to put up one more, and then they just got lit up. But the following night, you know, following two nights playing against Binghamton, once at home and then once on the road, um, you know, everyone was kind of nervous considering. Well, at least I kind of mentally was a little like, all right, well, we haven't been doing too well against them, and then we just had that seven-two loss the night prior. Um, they ended up giving Liam Murray the start. Uh, against Binghamton at home, which ended up being a good decision. Beat them 4-3 to three in OT off of a too-many-men call, so we got a power play at the end there, which was nice, and uh, Voidy got to be head coach that game. So, I mean, rough start, down 3 nothing in the first, and just crawled our way back and made it to OT and took it there, and almost kind of a similar thing the next night, down 3 nothing, crawled our way back, and then Connor Woolley netted the shootout winner. So, I mean, two, four, three wins against this Binghamton team that we've been kind of struggling against this year. It's it's nice to see, especially going into the new year. And I'm really glad for Connor Woolley because he's, uh, he's a talented kid. He's been here a while now, and he's getting the opportunity to show at least what he can do. 
And uh, I, like I said, he's a, he's a part of trying to get us um, get the hat tricks on a on a more solid kind of ground here. And it's nice to see what he get. Listen, he's got the experience. Anytime you're you're a good player like that at a NCAA D three, you're a local guy. You're gonna have a good career, and things can happen around here. Um, you know, uh, Brendan Dowler's one guy that that you know, comes to mind. Uh, that that is, is, looks like he's gonna stay for a while in the SBHL. Uh, so far, so good. Um, and I think that there's um, reason to believe that that could be the case for a lot of local kids that come play here. But uh, Connor Woolley uh, definitely stepped up. He's basically had a couple of points in every game that he's played since he came yeah. back, or at least one. So it's it it's great to see him out there. I know we wanted to get the opportunity. It's great to see him back in the lineup. You know. Yeah, and. Um you know, this weekend, no games, but we do come back to play at home next weekend um, against Binghamton. It's it's going to be another big kind of uh, series again, I'd say. Um, actually, hold on, I, I rescind that. Friday, we do play. We do play this weekend. It's on the road. Uh, we play in Elmira and then in Watertown. So, I mean, anything could really go for those two games, but if we're smart and we ride that momentum... Hopefully we can just steamroll right through into next weekend. Um, and just by the way, I want to correct that first Binghamton win at home. It was a 5-4 win in OT, not a 4-3. 4-3 was the following night in a shootout. Um, but yeah, then January 12th and the 13th at home, Danbury plays against Binghamton. So it's going to be interesting to see how they handle it again. I mean, that was a just a nice way to end the year, at least the – you know, the year of 2023 with those two wins against Binghamton. Now we're, was it, three and seven against them overall in the season. So hopefully that can improve um, in the coming weeks. But again, this weekend on the road in New York against Elmira and Watertown, it's it's going to be a tough weekend. I, I hope it's a little easier, you know, considering the rest and all that. And hopefully, again, we could try and ride that momentum from those last two games. But, um, eager to see what happens uh matt any thoughts well it's um uh it's one of those situations where every period you know this this isn't so profound every period counts every period from here on out counts and um there's still no telling about how things shake out. If this team qualifies for the playoffs, um, we have to take a look and see where we stand personnel-wise. And that'll give us the indication. I think if, you know, a lot of guys have come through, um, I don't always understand why, but I think that getting guys out there who do have the potential to gel is a good idea right now but I think bringing back a Wooly getting Chase Hartwell going bringing in a guy like the nickel and now those guys are starting to find that familiarity they have um, this is what you do this is the personnel it, it can't be a continuation of last season without the same cast it's just you know, it's it's a it, it, think about it. It's like season one, season two. Except in season two, we changed seventy five percent of the cast members. It's not the same yeah. show anymore. So, um, right now, 
the Danbury Hattricks. You got two wins against Binghamton. They're as good a team as I've seen in this league kind of in a while. Um, not because they have any kind of decent fans in the crowd that, you know, uh, refrain from throwing beer cans at, you know, visiting fans with their backs turned. But, uh, you know, listen, they got a few guys that can play hockey over there. They want it. And, uh, you know, it's up to Danbury and, and everybody else in the division to go knock them off like it was the task of those teams to knock us off in the division last season. And then down south, it's it's always going to be – there's always going to be good teams down there. There's probably always going to be one or two teams in these, you know, uh, you know, that can't get it together. But where it's done right, the teams are going to be competitive. And, again, you know, you're going to see either Carolina or Columbus just by looking at it right now. Am I right? Carolina yeah. or Columbus is coming out of there. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's just no – no two ways about it over there. I think that I think this division's a little more competitive just because anything can happen. Look at this past weekend. Yeah. So, um those are my thoughts. But we're still like I said, we're still I think uh we're just at January, you know, we're recording this on January second. So it's it's kinda hard to say where we'll be on you know. Yeah. No, I get what you mean later. February 29th. Exactly. You know what I mean? Who'll be in the lineup? I mean, a lot of those guys, I'd love to take a look. You could probably pull it up. When did Brendan Sheehan come back into the lineup for the Danbury Hattricks last season? What was the date of his return? What was the date of, um, uh, you know, Radcliffe getting in the lineup last year? What was the date of, you know, those those guys getting involved? Like, But, it, but again, Let's take Sheehan for an example, who I think a lot of the fans thought early on last season was could have been a big contributor all season. He got called up to the SPHL. I believe he was in Pensacola. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so the idea is, you know, the roster has changed. And listen, don't be surprised if it changes again. The same guys that we had last season aren't available right now. And Sheehan came back in March. She ain't came back in March. So think about how far we are. What what was the game? Do you know? Um, I don't know which game, but on transactions, if you look, it says return from loan. But if you if you can March look at 10. his game log, if you could click on the player and look at his game log, that could be March first, or it could be March what twentieth. Well, it was March tenth when he came back. March tenth. So. so think about how far we are from March tenth right now. Yeah. Anything could happen. So anything could definitely happen. I mean, his first game back ended up being uh, March seventeenth. So that's where I listen. That's where my head is at. So, yeah. It, it. It. I think it's impressive that you got two against Binghamton right here, and maybe we can carry some momentum in, in, into you know and have a week off here. But maybe you can carry some momentum. You know, after you had a three and three, you got a whole week off. Um, and that, and that's the. That's the situation. I just hope that inactivity or, or maybe throwing in one Saturday night home game uh, would have you know, just kept the guys on track, but I'm sure the rest is warranted. Yeah. Um, you know, that being said, stay tuned for a fantastic episode with Ryan Devine. Ladies and gentlemen, this week on the show, we want to welcome a very special guest, and that special <laughs> guest being Ryan Devine. Ryan, how you doing, bud? Uh, it's a pleasure. That's all I got to say. I'm a little sore, three and three, but 
um, you know, that's, that's part of the job. <laughs> exactly. Um, now for, for those of you listening, you may not see this on camera, but, um, Ryan's sporting a nice, some nice makeup. We'll say, <laughs> yeah, you look good. Kid. You're looking, you're looking handsome. I've looked, I've looked better. We'll go with that. Ryan. I've had better days. Ryan Devine is our guest here on Hattrick City. This guy is a former Danbury Whaler. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I think that goes, you didn't play for the Titans, but you, you played for the Whalers, right? And uh, Play for the Whalers and then beat the Titans in the final the next year in their inaugural season. Who was that? Um, was that Port Huron? Port Huron, yeah. We beat the Danbury Titans in their inaugural season. I you think that was Bruce Bennett's last year. As the owner, yeah, as the owner of the Danbury yeah. Titans, I think that was the. I think they went to the finals and did they disband. No, I think they went the to the next. They season? went to the finals twice, and then the third year they didn't make it, and then they disbanded after that. I thought they only played two years, Mm-mm. but anyway, anyway. Um, Ryan Devine, it's great to have you on the show, man. You uh, you've definitely been well traveled, kind of before and after coming through Danbury and and that whole thing, and now you've uh, you've. Uh, you won the championship a few years ago with the Watertown Wolves. Some of our steady fans will remember you from that team that featured <laughs> a bunch of great players that moved on to the SPHL. And now you are, uh, you know, uh, throwing punches uh, all across Still, the huh? media in the ECHL. <laughs> so you look pretty good fighting this weekend. Uh, you're you're with the Fort Wayne Comets. A lot of the hockey fans should know. Uh, should, you're with the Comets or you're with the Mavericks? No, with Kansas the Kansas City Mavericks. Mavericks. He's with the Kansas yeah. City Mavericks in Independence, Missouri. And uh, I don't know. You look pretty good in the fight this weekend. Why don't you tell us about how you got into that one? Uh, yeah. yeah. It, it sucks to make excuses, but uh, I've been riding on some really low steel the first time uh, Boucher and I fought uh, this past Friday. I wasn't happy about it and uh, got some new steel in and uh, – we saw a different ending, so um, it was a little bit longer. Um, training a few, threw a lot of a lot of heavy lefts that he just kept ducking, but um, I think he got me in the back of the head once on Friday. So um, wanted a redemption and uh, ended up kind of clotheslining him with like a forearm that got him in like the back of the head as we we're both swinging around. Wow good dude like it's it's hard doing those those fights where the other guy's a good guy and you have no bad blood and you're just like hey you want to go and it's so calm and you know it's not from one of your guys getting hit from behind and you're not pissed off chasing the guy down it's just like you're you're he couldn't have been a more <laughs> well-mannered calm you know enforcer so that was it was you know it doesn't really kick in until you get hit with one and then sometimes it's too late so Thanks, Kev. So, uh, but uh, we had a rematch on Sunday. Coach didn't want me to go Saturday. I said, wait can we do it in the home, front of the home crowd? We had a sold-out barn on New Year's Eve. And, uh, yeah, the place went crazy. And then uh, got into another one at the end. A D-man kept running a few of our guys. So, you know, that's that's when the job kicks in and uh, did, what, did what I did. And I think uh, the Shiners actually from going down to the ice, I think he got me with one as we were going down. And his, he like clipped me with a right 
or he clipped me with the left. I tried dodging it, and he like got me right in the sock, right, right, right in the corner of the socket. So it is what it is. I know it was all. The last two were pretty good. The first one, I kind of lost my balance, but we got new steel, and we're we're back to business. What, what kind of skates you wear, Divine? <laughs> I got the Bauer Hyperlights. It's just uh, I was riding on some really low steel, and when you're riding on low steel, you're leaning forward on your toes a lot. And uh, yeah, if you see the video from the fight in Wichita, I was just, I, I went for a, a big left early and I couldn't regain my balance. And he got me once in the back of the head. That was really it. I was going to say it was kind of um, unusual to see you take that kind of stance in that fight. I figured there was, there's some outlier in that, but yeah, low right. steel, that won't, uh, I won't do you justice in any of those fights though. And I've never dealt with that before. And I, I was like, why am I, what the hell? Like, just kept the momentum didn't help, but yeah, I kept falling for. But we switched steel, and uh, now I can't use that excuse anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you got a little taste of the ECHL. Was it last season or the season before in Fort Wayne? Right? It was two seasons ago. Yeah. What? What? Um, did you get in a fight? No. Um, there's a guy who's in the SPHL now, who I. Oh, what was his name? There was a guy, something hen. There's a guy that was a draft pick that he was number 17 for the Toledo Walleye. And uh, he's a tough dude, but skilled guy. I think he might be retired now, but he uh, got a penalty. He was real upset, real, real loud and verbal. And uh, right after the, they blew the whistle, he just turned around and cross checks this guy named Chase Ruddy. I think he plays for Evansville or Fayetteville, one of those two. And, uh, you know, this kid's a rookie and he sheds his stuff and he just clocks him and drops him. And he got a concussion, was out for that game. And I swung my foot over the boards and uh, Ben Boudreau, the head coach, was like, like, we're good. We'll take the power play. We were winning one nothing. It was late in the second. We were playing Toledo at home in a sold out barn and uh, ended up playing a lot of big minutes that game. But, um, yeah, I went back to Vermilion County after that, and then uh, don't have to speak much on Vermilion County. Um, that was everybody kind of mess, huh? Yeah, uh, kind of glad things turned out the way they did because went back to Watertown, had to uh, completely step away from hockey and just kind of reflect on everything going on in my life at that time, and. Uh, kind of kind of refocus and you know start over um going you know, from the calls back to the fed but you you worked de- out you definitely had an interesting path here and we talked uh, we talked about it um a few times but why, why don't you take people through your story what was your story did you where were you in the high school years with hockey like what what was your level at, at yeah you at in that era so so i was a really late bloomer i was you know as a freshman and sophomore i was Freshman year, I was 5'2", 100 pounds, and uh, I started growing then, my sophomore, junior year, but um, my parents were like, listen, we can we can pay for, you know, a hockey coach and we can get a nutritionist, whatever, or you can, we can pay for a soccer goalie coach and we can get you lessons and, or if you want to play tennis, we can get you a tennis coach. And I was like, well, I want to play all three. So I had to stop playing club hockey. So I just played high school hockey once a week. Um, 
soccer and tennis. It's just things I've been doing my whole life. And um, I kind of was just more about being with friends and didn't really care about hockey. Didn't, didn't think of a future with it. And uh, then it came to senior year where I didn't have a uh, college commit yet. But uh, my brother ended up kind of tearing it up at a uh, Division One club in uh, Westchester, Pennsylvania, Westchester University. And the, my brother talked to the coach and he's like, yeah, just, you know, have him get a 1600 or whatever on the SATs. And I did. So I went to Westchester and uh, didn't make the D1 club team. Actually, my freshman year, I had to play D3 club. And um, one of my buddies from high school, I played, I played soccer with. He was like, Hey, you're better than our goalie. You want to play soccer too? So I was playing uh, D3 club hockey and, and club soccer. And we ended up winning the league for both those years. So was it was that fun. Club, that was club soccer? Club soccer and club hockey. We both wow. won the league. Yeah, it was, it was awesome. And I was having fun doing that. And then uh, the following year, sophomore year, you know, you're not undecided anymore on what your major is. And you kind of have to <laughs> choose a path here. And uh, I thought I wanted to be a gym teacher. And then. <laughs> And then they have you take these labs where you have to know all the bones and muscles and freaking body. And I was like, you know what? And it was Christmas time. And kid I played against in high school was like, hey, you should come play juniors. Come play on my team. You'd be really good. So I could get out there over Christmas break. My dad's like, you know what? You can finish college later. So I was like, this is this is news to me. I, I can leave school. Like, so uh, so I went out and left Westchester University at Christmas time. We were, we were actually D2 club that year. And um, it's crazy because my last game, I had two guys by the throat. We had a line brawl. And I'm like, don't get in a fight. You're going to get kicked out of the league or whatever. The team needs you. That was my last game. And I missed I missed a perfect opportunity to start my fighting career then. But I go out in this Minnesota Junior Hockey League, and they had me playing forward. And we're winning like 7-2. to two. I'm playing with a 17-year-old and uh, – another kid, both first liners. And, uh, this kid comes up to me about five, eight asks me to fight. And this kid's name's Forrest Callahan. And he goes, Hey, you want to go? And I look down at him and I go, really? Like I was so cocky and I've never been in a fight in my life on ice. And, uh, you just hear the announcer two, three, four. And he got up to 13 and the kid finally just went down and, uh, he actually couldn't play the rest of the game because his head was so swollen. And uh, that kind of just started it where I never looked back. And I was like, this, that was fun. <laughs> Sitting in the box, Jared and looking at him like, hey, you good? Yeah, cool. Right, yeah. Like, I, I was I was on cloud nine. I was, it was, uh, you know, your, uh, your uh, adrenaline is, is, is up there as far as you can get uh, your adrenaline going without uh, any um, recreational use. <laughs> <laughs> i mean it's a natural high huh bro you know what i'm saying it's, like it's it's as good as it gets <laughs> you know divine I, I, we got cut off a little bit there you you got to you got to the college level on the on the club level on the d3 club level yep. and you took this kind of long and winding road uh which isn't um uncommon to guys in the fed why don't you tell people a little bit about you know, kind of you, you pursued your junior hockey and then you kind of went to Canada and you made a little bit of a round there. Yeah. So, well, I went and played juniors and 
you know, I kind of got a little bit of a confidence boost. No one thought I was going to stick and I ended up sticking and they're like, okay, you're, you're pretty good. We're going to put you on defense. So, um, finished the year there, but went and, uh, tried out the Johnstown Tomahawks and they brought me to main camp and, um, they ended up keeping a six foot seven kid that was only like 18 years old. And I was a 21, I was a 20 year old. So I was, I was aging out. So I got sniffed from Johnstown in their first year in the, in the null. And so a buddy of mine that I played with in Wisconsin the last year, we both went out to Southern Oregon and you have uh, what they call the Valley. And there's a big, big mountain on one side. And then the other side is this volcano. And in between is what they call uh, the Valley of Southern Oregon. And um, best year of my life playing there. Um, Cause once football season ended, same thing that's going to happen here when the chiefs are done, uh, we're going to start selling out. Same thing with in Knoxville last year. Once, once the Tennessee football was done, it was, it was all ice bears. But um, yeah, I actually ended up committing to Worcester state university, which is uh, division three. Wow. And uh, I went out and visited called the coach didn't answer um ended up just taking a tour myself with my girlfriend's family at the time um and just couldn't have been more depressed it was it was brutal they don't they don't play where the worcester railers play they play at like some old barn it's dark they have like those wooden bleachers that pull out from like (laughs) your middle school that was built in the 40s like it was it was depressing and i heard you know the coaches don't even run practices the captains do so um, it was, it was kind of lucky. Cause what happened a few days later was this coach that this guy that played in the CHL for like 15, 10, 15 years. Um, his name is Tommy Kasopoulos. And, uh, he was like, Hey, come, come play for me in the GMHL. It's an outlaw league. And I was like, well, I can't, I'm, I'm 21. He goes, you can actually 21 year olds can play an mm-hmm. extra year. So I go, and I think I have 85 points <laughs> in, in, and 142 PIMS and I think 39 games, something like that. So the season's over and I'm calling my coach trying to trying to go to the CHL because he's like, hey, come play for me and I'll put you on the Tulsa Oilers. I, I play for that guy. He's, you know, I'm like a son to him. And uh, season ends, nowhere to be found. I've heard stories that, that the guy got arrested. Talked to him since then. He, he says that didn't happen, that it fell through. So, um <laughs> Uh, I ended up getting a call a few days later from Brent Clark from the Watertown Privateers. And uh, they had 10 games left. I was going to go play and we were going to have, I was going to get to play in playoffs. And uh, one of the games was supposed to be rescheduled, but there was only nine games left. So after the eighth game, they Clark tells me, he go, Hey, uh, so uh, they're not rescheduling the 10th game. So you won't have enough games for playoffs. And, uh, so I get sent home and that same playoffs, Joe Pace trades himself at the end of the season <laughs> to the Dayton demons and ends up beating the Danbury Whalers in the finals. Wow. But I wasn't allowed to play playoffs because I had only nine games played. But uh, the next year I uh, moved down to Atlanta with a, a girlfriend that I was living with and uh, started with the Atlanta gladiators got cut from there, which the Columbus Cottonmouths got cut from there. And, uh, Ended up going to Port Huron because when I called Esposito in Danbury, he didn't want me. I said, okay. So Julian Frazier, former Danbury Whaler, and uh, a bunch of the guys from that uh, Dayton Demons team 
Mohamed Mufuz, uh, Roger Daguna. They uh, they convinced me to come to Port Huron, and that's when we beat Danbury in the finals. And then uh, called it a career for a couple of years. What did you do? You you. It's one of the things that I think gave you a big advantage in getting back. Is you worked in the fitness oh, yeah. kind of field. You were doing fly. Yeah. Were you doing boxing? Yeah. Stuff? Um, boxing workouts. What were you doing? You were you so, were that mainstream kind of retail <laughs> kind of level, right? Yeah, I I was really, and I mean, you could say I was pressured, but I signed a contract with Flywheel, and then later on I moved over to Soul Cycle. That they said we had to pulse a certain amount of times a week. Um, you know, talking about our brand, whatever it is, our style of fitness that we're teaching and stuff like that. Um, we had to post all the time. So if you look at my social media, this stuff's still up. I love looking back at it. But um, when my girlfriend, I, I, right after I retired from Port Huron, you know, she talks about me making fed money. And I was like, you know what? $200 a week before taxes is not okay. <laughs> so I got into real estate in Atlanta and then she got a makeup gig up in New York City. So I was like, all right, well, my only friend down here in Atlanta is your cousin. So I'm not staying here. <laughs> so I go to New York city. I'm from Philly. It's only an hour and a half away. And, uh, I ended up just rollerblading all up and down Broadway. I was going to all the Lululemons asking for a part-time job, full-time job. And they had just hired their, their seasonal workers. So, uh, one of the guys at Lulu was like, Hey, I've got a friend opening up a flywheel. So I was like, what the hell's flywheel? Went and checked it out. Was kind of cool. I wasn't really into the whole sitting on a stationary bike in a dark room listening to music that like I can't control. <laughs> and I liked one of the instructors, and I was like, "Oh shit!" Like this kind of fired the lights out, and you know, uh, there's blue lights going on in the background to the beat. I ended up loving it, so I, I became an instructor, and then went over to Soul Cycle, um, much bigger company, uh, obviously still around, but. Um, and I got in crazy good shape. I went from being, you know, playing hockey at 2.30 to, you know, an hour and a half practice a day to then New York City. I was teaching classes at 5.30 in the morning. So wow. I'd get up and make sure I had my playlist. Some nights I just didn't sleep at night. I would just uh, make sure my playlist was ready. And then I would teach one or two classes, come home and go to sleep, actually. And then wake up, go to the gym, and I actually worked as the ice crew, the blue crew for the New York Rangers. So I was teaching fitness in the morning, and when the Rangers had home games, I was during TV timeouts, I was the shovel guys. So I was coming out and cleaning uh, Henrik Lundqvist's crease. So I was, it was actually funny. I was uh, They were playing the Oilers, and we go down in a flying V, and then we separate and go down by the boards. And I talked to one of the guys. I was like, hey, let me go, let me go on the board sides by the players. And he's like, all right, sure. They're playing. And it's obviously McDavid in his first or second year. And, uh, my shovel clips one of the screws on the uh, kick plates. And I had to stop and go back. And there's, I have another guy behind me getting my trail of snow. And I go again and I hit the same damn screw. And Milan Lucic goes, it's all right, buddy, you got it. And I was like, oh man, I was like, if I could play, if I was good as hockey, I'd, I'd go you right now. In my mind, I was like, God damn it. Like, there's nothing I can say to him. But I got in crazy good shape from doing teaching spin. Some days, there was twice where I taught five spin classes in one day. And I couldn't break 200 pounds. So 
there's guys playing division one that go to New York city and, and, you know, get banking jobs, finance, whatever. And they still play, they still strap them up on uh, Thursday night. So the top league in New York city is actually pretty good. Um, I know you can vouch for that. You've played at, at Chelsea Piers. There's some I've played good at, talent. I've played at the bottom division. I've played. Well, the- <laughs> you've seen the top. You know what it is? There's um, just to, just to chime in there, you know, that you can kind of talk about it um, with. I Do you know those guys, the New York St. Nick's? The New York St. Nick's. That yeah, sounds like- somewhat familiar. I can't. They're basically like the oldest hockey club in New York yeah. City, and they're like, okay. know, they're, they're like, it's 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 hard to explain at this point. They just have this tradition. Some years they play full check games. Some years I think they just get together for kind of like monthly beer league skits. Yeah. But they've gone out and they've competed against some of those uh those senior teams in Colorado, like the Vale Yeti and these teams okay. like where Amesbury played last yeah. weekend and these teams that are popping up out there. And it's a great thing, but there, believe it or not, there's always, you know what it is too. And I tell people all the time, the reason so many guys um, from D from D one hockey, from like NCAA D one hockey, the reason they don't yeah. get, the reason they don't get uh, it to minor league hockey is usually they go to a school where they can get a really good finance job. And they end up someplace mm-hmm. in New York City. It's almost not even worth it to pursue something yeah. like the Fed or the SP. And ultimately, those guys do play beer league hockey at Chelsea Pier, probably all over Boston. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can only imagine yeah. what the skates around Boston are like. There's probably tons of minor leaguers and stuff. And I bet Philly as well, there's probably some good skates. Yeah, Philly Philly area has jumped um, tremendously in, in, in just producing talent. Um Captain of Arizona State, Tyler Gratton, um, skates out of the Philly area with us. Um, Sam Lipkin, he had the game-winning assist on the uh, national championship goal last year. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, a bunch of draft picks um, that skate out of our area. And we'll have like a Wednesday night skate. We'll do we'll do three lines. We'll do, we'll do 4 day, but we'll do three full lines of forwards. And uh, the games are like 18 to 15. And it's crazy. It's not like no one's playing defense or anyone's cherry pick. And it's just a lot of talent. And the goalies, unfortunately, we have a couple of division one goalies, but you know, guys aren't blocking shots and stuff like that, but um, it's fast paced. And uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised to see a few more uh, division uh, first round draft picks coming out of the Philly area, but uh, New York city, Chelsea Piers, that, that definitely helped me uh, realize that, I was still kind of in my prime with getting back into hockey. Um, but what was, what was fortunate was that I had actually gotten relieved of my duties at soul cycle and, uh, rent being 1500 bucks in New York city, um, kind of had to make a decision of going back home or to Philly and doing nothing, or I could go to the fed. So I went to Elmira with Brent Clark and, uh, Eight days later, I finally got called up to the SP after three years of not getting a lick. So, um, yeah, where where did you want me to go from there? Because there's still a lot to go. Well, you well, the, well, a good place to go would how'd you get back into it once you were doing that stuff? What kind of what was the actual lever uh, or the the kind of the storyline that led you back into the the game playing professionally? Well, yeah, I, uh, 
it was coming up on Thanksgiving break and uh, you could only miss so many classes at Soul Cycle. And uh, I unfortunately missed my second one. And uh, after two, um, it's kind of out of their hands. So, yeah, I just, I was curious and I, I looked at the Fed and I was like, where's Mafu's playing? So I hit up Mafu's and he was like, yeah, come play. Clarky's the coach. So Clarky hit me up and I ended up going, playing from being 230 pounds playing hockey to 190 pounds. And, uh, yeah, I was flying. And, um, I think when I came in, I was just all over the place, like trying to make a difference. And I was in so much better shape than everybody else that, uh, it was actually luck of the draw that Pensacola at that time was making a huge change because they were like nine and 18. And, uh, when I lived in Atlanta, there was a guy that played there named Drew Baker and he saw my social media. And I think I posted a fight of me and Elmira. And he goes, Hey, you're playing again. I go, yeah, what's up? He's like, you want to go play in Pensacola? They only have 3d. So, uh, what's funny is that one of the defensemen or one of the coaches on Fort Wayne was the, was one of the assistant coaches there. And, uh, they got rid of one defenseman and traded, uh, this coach now at Fort Wayne uh, for hotel visits when we went to, to Fayetteville. Mm. So we, we went to Fayetteville, we got free hotel stay, but uh, Jason Price and I came in and we kept 5D the whole year. And we ended up flipping the whole season around going from nine and 18 to I think 23 and 22, something like that. And then uh, the next, the next year was Macon and Quad City and then COVID hit. So Everything kind of came to a standstill after that. And so then, you know, COVID hits. You end mm -hmm. up, you were in Slovakia when it hit? No. So I was, in Quad, I was in Quad City when that hit in 2020. And, uh, you know, no one knew what was going on, right? Like, mm. I was told we're not going to be allowed over state lines and stuff like that. Um, so I came back and stayed with my sister. And then uh, the fall came around. And, you know, late spring and we're all training like the hockey season is going to start. I don't know if you guys remember that the season didn't start until like December or something. Yeah. I was like, so, yeah. So there was no NHL. Right. So all of the rookies in the NHL um, went to the age or the AHL. Did the AHL have the AHL had a season, but they didn't have a playoffs. So. Yeah, in 2020. I'm going to agree with that. I'm just going to agree. Yeah. With that. Look it up. Yeah. Agree with that for now. Yeah. They finished the I, I saw, I, the bubble, right? Not the AHL. Apparently, there was oh, no the Calder Cup yeah, in wow, 2020. Yeah, yeah. But the 2020, uh, the NHL had a, the, the playoff bubble. But um, so all those rookies, if you were in your first or second year, um, all went to the ECHL. And the ECHL was only half of the teams. So all those guys are looking for jobs. So the SP was loaded. So I had, I had no spot. And uh, a lot of us were still kind of training a couple of coast guys uh, that didn't find jobs either, but um, was just pushing pucks, getting on ice with my nephew and stuff like that, trying to make him a better player. And uh, the rink that we skated at was uh, owned by PNY sports agency. And I don't think they're around any longer, but, that guy um, was coming to look at uh, a, a guy named Ryan Lowen that I skated with, AHL guy. And uh, the rink manager was like, hey, you want to come skate with him? So I did. 
ended up meeting the the uh, agent and he goes hey i don't have a fighter um we'll, we'll be in touch and then a few weeks later after not skating for like two months already uh he's like there's an agency i partnered with over in slovakia and their neighboring town uh they just lost their tough guy do you want to go and it was a lot of money flight was paid for and uh it's i would say the skill level is a little bit better than the echl uh i would say just because of the speed and everything of the young guys but you know the older guys had all like 10 years in the khl so they slowed the game down and then the younger guys were impossible to catch so getting six or, or i think i had seven or eight games played uh more than plenty but um the views over in slovakia are kind of unbeatable every team we went and played there was a castle um where I live downtown, there was a 1300 year old castle that every day after practice, I just went up and just walked around the castle. Was, what was the issue with you over there, man? You really did. Did you get on the ice much? How does it work over there? For I, I did. So I did, but we only had, I think you could only have six imports and we had three forwards as imports and three defensemen. And two of the defensemen we had were our top defensemen. And the one guy had five years in the KHL, a little bit slower, but um, whenever we played a team with a fighter, they would play me. And they're making a playoff push too. So I'd only played four, I think, regular season games, but I didn't go over there until February, right before uh, Valentine's Day. So I was only there for two months, but I played four games. And then I think I got three playoff games because, wow. uh, we had one of our uh, guys get suspended for like a knee on knee. So I got, I got three playoff games too, but then we lost the second round and uh, it was awesome. But I think two and a half months over in Slovakia is plenty of time. Right? The, 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 the large ice over there kind of screwed me. Every, every time one of the, one of the young guns grabbed the puck and just pulled one of those Johnny Gaudreau spinoramas, I was just yelling switch. And uh, yeah, it's, it, it's not, it was much easier playing in Knoxville with the small ice. Yeah, and then so after that, you came back to the states and then came in with Watertown, and then obviously that whole season became what it was. Yeah, right. The yeah. whole—I mean, I don't know if you guys know that whole story as to why it. I was in the Fed, but well, you can leave it in if you want. But I had some uh, off-ice issues with my ex-girlfriend that was trying to claim a bunch of stuff, and. Uh, yeah with covid with covid court case got pushed back two whole years wow and uh every team that i signed with um i even i even told the coach i was like hey once you make an once you make an announcement on social media she's gonna she's gonna write on your fan page she's gonna contact the league and claim a bunch of stuff and which she did so that's why there was one game in fort wayne because when i went to fort wayne on a saturday sunday morning played in toledo at three o'clock and after the game was over by six, five 30, whatever coach called me in the office and was like, Hey, the owners, the owners love you. They want, they text me just to say how, how much they appreciated your play. But uh, we got to talk about this. And it was an email claiming uh, domestic abuse. And finally this last May um, I brought my evidence <laughs> of her holding a knife and the court case got dropped. So um, I was blacklisted from the ECHL and the SPHL for, for two whole seasons. Wow. So yeah, I, that's why, that's why I went from Fort Wayne back to Vermilion County 
she she got a hold of uh, Ellen in uh, in Vermilion County, claimed a bunch of shit. So after I got like a five game suspension, I think it was just kind of it for her, and uh, I was out of Nick Niedertans. So I went back to Watertown and had to, you know, like I said earlier, I had to fully reset, and it was um, it was tough. But uh, we ended up winning the league. And then the next year, Clarkie got called up and, and uh, hired as the Knoxville coach. And uh, Mike Murray, who's the, the president there, you know, they knew about it because I signed in Knoxville the year before. And when I reposted their, their signing on my Instagram, she emailed the league, emailed uh, the owner, Mike Murray in Knoxville, and told them all this shit. And they're like, listen, like – we know you're innocent until proven guilty, but we don't know what they're going to do. They're going to keep posting. So when I was in Vermilion County, every team that I was playing in that weekend, there was a post on the team's Facebook page, uh, the SPHL fan page, the, the trash talk page. Every time I played a game, there was uh, pictures or, or text threads of, of claims. And I had, I had players, you know, that were running their mouths and, and doing shit. And when I stepped up to handle business, they would, you know, they would, they would get pretty gutty with their, uh, their comebacks. They would, uh, sorry, I was getting a phone call there. Okay. Um, yeah. Guys would say, Oh, you know, right. <laughs> we know you don't fight guys. Why don't you go be your girlfriend? Stuff like that. And I, so many times where I just wanted to jump the boards and do stuff. And I was like, you know what? It's going to make me look even more guilty, and I let the court handle it. And uh, here we are. Now I'm back in the coast. Black, uh, blacklist free. So, yeah, it, it looked weird that year, two years ago, being in the Fed and the coast for one game and then back in the Fed. But, yeah, the, 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 the owners in Fort Wayne, they wanted to keep me, and the coach was like, listen, the owners had a meeting. This was two days later, and they're like, they said, if it wasn't for, you know, those guys signing my checks, I'd be putting you into the apartments today. But, you know, handle your business and, and we'll bring you back when the court case is over. And uh, texted the coach this summer when it was over. And uh, he got canned two days later. So oh, cool. Fort Wayne was off, was off uh, my list. And um, I got in touch with Kansas City. And it was hard to say no. So, You know, the thing that we hear most often probably from – guys who skate in the fed and then they get the opportunities on the higher levels is the speed, the oh, speed the skating. But what I want to ask you about is, you know, listen, um, it's everything. About, it's everything. <laughs> what about the toughness? Oh, it's not even comparable. You know, when you get a guy in men's league and you're like, Oh my God, this guy's guy can't even stand up, but he pretends to be tough. Right. And if you were to get a hold of him, you would just rag on, Right. Everybody here is a good skater. Everybody here is tough. Everybody here works out. Not everybody's tough, but the ones that, you know, you won't back down. Everybody, almost every single guy here that I fought can throw both hands also. So it's something that I use as a tactic because I know guys in the Fed, the SP don't practice it. But I've, you know, had seven, eight years now of practicing that that it's not really an advantage anymore because the guys at this level do it too. And they punch harder. Uh, they're better on their feet. They weigh more. They're better skaters. Um, but to go off of your, your question there, 
not even just toughness, but um, you're comparing guys that play division three, some guys coming from the OHL and stuff like that. But, you know, guys coming from the OHL aren't, you know, top line guys. Those are, those are guys that are filling roles in the O that have the skill and can skate, but uh, don't might not have the IQ for the SP. So they go to the fed or like, you'll see a lot of, there's a lot of guys Carolina Thunderbirds had that were coming from the OHL because Garrett Rutledge um, was with the Saginaw spirit for a while. So he has that connect of OHL guys, but um, the guys that played OHL or guys in the ECHL either were top guys in the OHL shutting down top guys back in their day, or you have draft picks or guys that were running power plays in, at division one, like one of our, we've got uh Patrick Curry was the captain of BU. Um, he's one of our top guys. He's got four years in the A, but is it four years, three years? I think he's got two years in the A, almost a point per game, but the A is so good this year that, you know, that's just, just not that many jobs out there. Same thing with Ryan Jones, our, our best defenseman. He's got four years in the AHL, but um, the leagues are just so good this year that the, the trickle-down effect um, – Everyone's just bigger, faster, stronger. That's that, that's my answer. <laughs> it's not even comparable. Like you see what J Mac did, Justin McDonald. He was yeah. MVP of the Fed, MVP of the SP. Now he's back in the Fed. If you look at his points when he was in the coast, he was at like a point per game. He's older and he can't do that now. He may argue with you. He can't do that now, but um, he's like the only exception. There's some guys that I thought, you know, on my team last year, yeah, there's there's maybe one or two guys that could start in the ECHL from beginning to end. But we even had guys that were, you know, played for BC that started this year not playing a game in the first 15. So um, it just shows you how deep the teams are this year in the ECHL that um, – it's again, it's just not comparable because if you look at the rosters in the SP, it's it's mainly guys playing division three. There's not many division one guys unless they're a goalie. Um, so if you want to compare, it's the same thing as comparing division one to division three. I would say that's the ECHL and the SPHL. And then I hate to I hate to say it, I've defended it for years, but the Fed is starting to look more and more like a beer league to me. And I I tried defending it for years. Oh, no, no. Like the top six guys are really good, which were, but being here now, it's it's not even comparable. I think it's tough because there's more teams now in the Fed than there. The jobs were harder to come by. If yes. To go. Yeah. Um, there were less teams for sure. Right. There's there's what, what happens when there are more teams. Um, and I think you see that even the history of minor league hockey. You look at the expansion in leagues like the CHL, the Western Pro League back in the 90s and stuff like that. Those were prolonging, you know, new markets that were opening up. They weren't really always recruiting completely new top flight guys. They were kind of borrowing from guys who had kind of hung around in the league. And I think that's what's happening in the Fed, a little bit of um, filling out the rosters in new markets with guys that have already existed it's a different game in the echl we see it all the and there, there's i'm sure if there hasn't been one already i'm sure there's somebody who's going to play in the nhl this season from the echl there's no doubt so somebody will get a couple of games in 
uh, who started the season. I don't know who that'll be right now, but I, I don't know if that happens every year, but yeah, I don't know if, I don't know if this is the year, maybe a goalie, but that's what I'm saying. Usually it is. Usually it is a goalie. Like it was George Tim a few years ago. Yeah. yeah. We had a, we had a kid that came down to us from Coachella through, uh, He's twenty, a twenty-year-old kid. He wasn't even twenty-one. Tucker Robertson, and I think he played in the WHL. I think he was a third-round pick from Seattle, and they sent him down for conditioning because he wasn't playing in Coachella. And he came here and just you, you see the professionalism that was distilled in his brain from playing in the dub. Um, he was always the very last one off the ice, just practicing his shootout move, practicing the little things that apply to his game. Um, and then you watch him in the game, and you're like, oh, no, this this little 20-year-old, he's going to get smashed, and then boom, spin off. And you're like, holy fuck, how did he know that guy was coming? But it's just his IQ and, and you know, shoulder checking before getting to the puck, right before he gets to the puck, shoulder check looks, and then he knew exactly what to do. Um if he got a call up to Seattle this year, I could see that happening. But um, Coachella has both of our <laughs> one and two goalies right now. Uh, mm-hmm. Grubauer went down with a groin injury, and then another goalie had a concussion. So both of our goalies are up. Um, that would be really cool to see one of our guys go up to Seattle, a goalie. But um, yeah, the only like kid said- that I could see getting called up from Seattle that was in the ECHL at one time would be Tucker Robertson. Yeah, but, but that's what I'm saying. It's like just there's – there's again, it's just that small probability that there's one guy or two guys out there that are going to get yeah. that one uh, NHL debut, uh, first NHL game uh, in this season. And it, it's possible. I used to go to ECHL games, and I'm sure you can relate down in Trenton, New Jersey <laughs> with the old Titans. And let me get something. It was a different, um, you know, I don't, I, I I got to be honest, Divine. I think that me and Pat are going to have to take a little road trip. If you guys, do you guys swing through this way at all this year? No, huh? We did. We were in Worcester and uh, then oh, we, missed you. we were up in, in Maine. Maine is unbelievable. Cool little, the rink Maine. is right there by all. It's such a touristy. Fantastic town. Water. Yeah. Like it, for, for listeners who don't know, if you're going to go, I mean, Portland, Maine, just don't love the, Tons of breweries. There's like one section where there's like eight breweries in one parking lot uh, over by that. What's the name of that brewery comes out of there? Is it Allagash? Um, that's a that's a pretty popular brewery. But if it's Allagash, four days. So there is. Uh, there, there's there's Allagash. Have you ever seen the show Blinders? <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. So you know what the streets look like? Yes, it's, it's like be- a mini Boston. It's like this weird like, seaside, cobblestone city. Hundreds, okay? You you go down these this main street where the rink is, and then you go down this side alley, and you feel like you're in, on set at Peaky Blinders, where it's just cobblestone, and it's just bar, 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 left and right. And uh, we had a good time down there. Um, but uh, it, well, that's it's the thing. you know, what's interesting about it is um, like I, I talk about it all the time. I, I love going to hockey games in Danbury. It's a great place. It's honestly a great road trip, especially anybody, anybody that knows somebody that plays in the league. And if they live in Jersey or Philly or New York City, it, it's a great drive. It's a great little trip up here. But yeah. but no um, 
Like, I think that Portland, Maine's got to be a great place to go see a hockey game. And it's yeah. probably fantastic if they're playing like either Worcester or one of the, one of the um, yeah. Canadian teams in the ECHL. Do you guys go through Canada this year? We do not. No, it, it, that, that East coast trip where we played Worcester, we flew into Boston, played Worcester and then went to back. It was a day game. So it was a 10 AM game with 5,000 screaming kids. Wow. And we went and and went back to Boston the rest of that night and then went to Portland later that night, went out in Portland, played the next day, went out that night in Portland and then went out the next night in Portland um, after playing two games against them because we didn't leave till the next morning until like one o'clock. So we were able to have a good time with the boys and uh, we got after it. The boys, we had this bar we went to upstairs they have this like little stage and it's like roped off. And uh, I got up there. My roommate got up there and it's like all of us on this stage. It like fits like 12 people. It's all dudes from the Kansas city Mavericks. <laughs> see, we see a bunch of other dudes with some, like, you know, some, some flat brim hats and like we got there and we could see over everybody. And then we're looking down, we're dancing and we're like, those are the main Mariners. So it's like there's 30 dudes. That, there's like 50 dudes in this bar up top on this dance floor. 30 of over half of them are hockey players that were just battling against each other the last two nights. Wow. And, uh, we had a good time. We all got along. And uh, I, I I would love to go back and play in Portland, Maine. That was that was a good time. Well, I can only imagine. It's a great it's a great town. I, I think that's like a great place for Danbury fans like to go get a real good hockey experience on the weekend something different from danbury you know like it's a great town the rink is awesome there's so much history and i tell you that that's an area where i i don't know i think maine's a little funny i don't think that there are as many rinks in maine as you would think there are i mean they're probably a ton right but like not as much as massachusetts where like sometimes there's two or three in the in the town in massachusetts or two in a town uh, or, or like in Canada or something like that. But, you know, there's, there's activity up there. There's obviously the black bears. There's been the Nordiques, uh, out, uh, that play against the, the junior hat tricks and stuff like that. So right. it, 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 it's a great vibe, you know, that they, they do know their hockey. It's just, they, they don't Oliver Wallstrom who played for the New York. Does he still play for the Islanders? Islander. Yeah. He's on the Islanders. He, he was, he was from Maine yeah. and Rick DiPietro is from, is from Lewiston. Yeah. Uh, so like there, there's a kind of a history up there. It's just not as I'm trying to think who else might be from Maine. I, I don't know. NHL players from Maine, but yeah, it, it that's a great vibe. But uh, so what, what's going on like on a day-to-day basis? Why don't you take the fans uh, that listen to our show through kind of like the day in the life in the ECHL. What, you wake up at the morning at what time and what goes on from there? Yeah. So we got to be at the rink by about nine meeting at nine 20, but uh, the difference between going to an, uh, the rink in the morning in the ECHL, you've got every kind of bagel. You got a fridge stocked of cream cheese, <laughs> butter. You got water. You got creamers. You got tea. Uh, you got a soda fountain with two different flavored Gatorades. Um, you've got a whole supply of bio steel, any flavor you want. You got chocolate and vanilla proteins. You got a, uh, a blender if you want to make smoothies, whatever, uh, a whole, you got a whole kitchen and then, uh, you have a whole dry room of your, your, your street clothes. 
so the whole difference of, you know, being in the Fed or the SP, sometimes you're stopping and grabbing a coffee in the morning or here you got your own coffee at the rink. You got, you got everything you need. So you show up, pop a bagel in, change clothes, get your gitch on, which here you have sets of two in the Fed and the SP. You, I never got anything from them. Um, just a, a warm up shirt and shorts. Yeah. But you have, you have sets of two of everything. Um, get into the rink by, you know, like eight fifty, fifty five, Cause you got to be there by nine gives us time to get settled in. We all have to be in our gitch by meeting at nine twenty. whether you're going out and warming up is, you know, skating and whatnot. But, um, we just played a three and three and we had a pretty, we had a lot of drills today, but you know, the coaches are very, uh, respectful of our recovery and free time. So instead of getting like eight reps, Everything was just two today. So it was kind of nice. They won everything fast paced, you know, tape to tape passes, but um, they're very conscious about, you know, guys hurting and numbers and stuff like that and our schedule. Everything, everything is planned out. There's, there's TVs in the dry room that have our schedule. Um, you know, we have equipment manager, fully staffed, uh, athletic trainer. Um, you know, you don't have, uh, some places I played where you have a volunteer that can sharpen skates, who's your athletic trainer right. or your manager or, or some, uh, uh, an athletic trainer who's also sharpening skates. Mm-hmm. Like it's, you know, it's, it's not like that here. But, it's uh, throughout now, now the ECHL, all those jobs, um, r- probably right down to the communication guy and the kid that posts on Instagram, all these jobs are a route to the NHL or a route to another major sport. So I, I think that's key now. It's not like, you know, when you're in the independent leagues, you're independent, not only just in the sense that uh, there's no affiliation with the NHL on the hockey level, but there's also the idea that there's no real, hey, you know, we have this fantastic kid that's uh, here in, um, you know, uh, Kansas City, and he does of video stuff and it's all, oh, you know what? He, he'd be a great guy uh, to get going to work for the Kansas city chiefs right now type yeah. of thing. You know, like there's that, I think sometimes when you're in the indie game, it's, it's, it's a little harder to strive up from there um, yeah. no matter what, but yeah, the, the, the ECHL, you got to think that even the guy in the ticket sales office is, is probably got his eyes on working in the, the major league somehow. Right. Yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah. Our, our athletic trainer, he's been here for like, almost 10 years, but he worked with the chiefs before and he, he just, I, I think the door opened for him here for a long time for a long-term stay. And he, he took it. So uh, if, um, I'm, but, I'm thinking that I'm thinking that the Kansas city Mavericks started out in the central league. Very briefly. Yeah, in the central this league. is our 15th season. Yeah. Um, with the, the Missouri team. Mavericks. Yeah. yeah. They used to be the Missouri Mavericks, and then uh, they changed to Kansas City. I think about five years ago. Let me ask you something. Um, when you have when you're playing for a team, I mean, it, it, it probably similar to Danbury, except more seats and stuff like that. But what's the vibe around a 15 year old ECHL team? You know, what I mean, there's there's a handful of teams in that league that have been around like 50 years. But what's what's the fan base like? What's the around town atmosphere for an ECHL team? Um, well, Lamar Hunt, who is the owner, he owns the Chiefs, but 
he oh Lamar Hunt owns the Mavericks. Wow. Yeah, that's really yeah. impressive. Like sports fans, Lamar Hunt is like the godfather of all sports. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's the he's uh, an illustrious man. Uh, how do you explain who he is? He's a, he's a legend in in every sport. He's got a his football, soccer, an absolute legend. Uh, that that family, the Hunt family. You know. Yeah. So he comes. He, I've seen him three times now. He was there this past Sunday on on New Year's. Coming in, shaking everybody's hand, thanking you for <laughs> coming and doing our job. <laughs> but uh, he he'll sit there and, and shoot shit with the guys, and uh, and then he'll be in the locker room after, and you know after a win, the coaches shake everybody's hands. He'll come in too, and um, but he doesn't he doesn't really talk to the team. He'll he'll stop in and say hi, but um, yeah. So this he is comes, he this comes is, around how big he is. He comes yeah. around, him three times now. So this is this is the son of Lamar Hunt senior who mm-hmm. I mean uh he was an executive with the the Kansas City Chiefs the Dallas Tornado was a North American Soccer League team Columbus Crew he was one of the godfathers of Major League Soccer I think that's probably why they like uh goalkeeper Ryan Devine so much <laughs> uh he, he's one of the godfathers of Major League Soccer as a matter of fact the US Open Cup which Major League Soccer has just pulled their first division teams out of they will no longer play for the u.s open cup it's named after lamar hunt it's the lamar hunt open cup uh yeah yeah lamar hunt u.s open cup it's named uh, i guess the his fall uh i don't is it is that his son or his grandson but yeah is i don't know this guy is probably late 70s yeah he's no i think this guy's i think this guy's about 70 yeah yeah that's he's about 70 yeah, yeah. Or 67. I think it's about 67. But anyway, um, yeah, I just say it's a great opportunity. What so you were saying, what's it like out there with this team? Well, yeah, so he's huge on us being big in the community and stuff like that. So obviously being in the Fed and the SP, every week there's a sign-up sheet for rookies to, you know, do the community stuff. But um, it's so well planned and organized here that like even for meetings and stuff like that. Sometimes if someone from the office is coming down and, and we're having to wait more than five minutes, like the coach will just cancel it and say, all right, you know, enjoy your day, stuff like that. So it's like, everything is, is to a T with organization here with um, off ice and getting us out in the community that um, we have, there's, there's been three times now after a game where I've, met people and shook their hands because I went and did a, uh, there was like a veterans, uh, thing where we went and saw this organization where they, um, whether you were discharged honorably or, or, uh, dishonorably from, from war or army, wherever they, uh, won't turn you away. They'll bring you in, they'll house you. They give you like a shed. That's a one. It's a, it's a twin mattress, a full bathroom, uh, a desk, a little kitchen area, and they're colored differently for each branch. So like the green for the army, um, red for Marines, blue for the Navy. They have all these different little colored like sheds. It's like a big shed. And if you have family or if you're a dog, they'll house you and they'll try and find you a job. And the goal is to get you out within six months. But some people stay 13, 14, 15 months. And uh, it was not, it was not a chore being there um, learning 
about these people that don't turn anybody away, whether they were charged, discharged honorably or dishonorably. And uh, I've, I've now been invited to come and practice with them. They're the, the, the warriors. So they're the handicapped hockey team, the Kansas city warriors. So we, uh, I, I know of the warriors. I wrote an article, um, I guess in the late summer about the long Island warriors, they do it. They do a similar thing, but it's not, they don't, that's interesting. I never heard of, I wish I had heard of that sooner. I never heard of the warriors actually providing housing. Um, so it, I can't remember the exact um, name of the organization, but one of the guys in charge there is on the Warriors hockey team. So they came and we were um, we were we were just packaging boxes for um, making food for donations for so that people could pick up boxes. But they came and uh, dropped me off a uh, thank you letter, like a thank you card, and they put one of their pins attached to it so I, I keep it on my suit oh wow wow, that's really nice and uh they invited me to come out to their practice so i asked my one of my equipment managers i asked them i was like hey like let me know when we're in town and they got to practice i can just come out and surprise them or something and uh because they're just they're so grateful just for us coming and they literally were just like here put this food in this box tape it up that's it took pictures and they couldn't have been more grateful so it's like just the little things that take up and you know two hours of our day um, means the world to these people, and then they get discounts or they get free tickets to our games, and we're treated like superstars. So it's it's why we still play, right? Like <laughs> to feel like a superstar because soon as this is over, you're never going to get this treatment again unless you're Lamar Hunt. Something that me and Pat are probably most interested in. I definitely know I'm interested because. As you may know, when we went down to, you know, lose to Carolina and then storm back and win the Commissioner's Cup championship in 2023, we went to six barbecue places in about four days in in Winston-Salem. Me and Pat, we just toured through the whole town. You got to come to Kansas City if you want to try barbecue. So tell us what's going on out there, though. Like, what do you have different styles? Is it all one style? You got different go-to spots? Where are you going out there? Because everybody doesn't like to eat. I would so it's called Jack's Stackhouse. Okay. There's Q39. So I I talked to my coaches about which one's better, and they said those are the two. And Q39, I went to the first time. I was a family friend. We're out here for the Eagles versus the Chiefs game, and they took me out to dinner the next night. Wasn't that hungry, but it was like I was being respectful and I was eating a little bit. But I took it to go. I had it the next day, and it was the best barbecue I've ever had in my life. Mm. It was, you got like six, you got like four ribs. You had like three long slices of this prime meat. And then, uh, what else was it? It was like a, I can't, I can't remember what it was. I, I want, like, you want to save it be like, Ooh, this will be good for later. But you're sitting there and you just not stop eating. Just, um, what feels like 10 pounds of meat, but it's it the the barbecue sauce is perfect to where it doesn't have too much of a kick or it's it's not too weak. Um everything is literally cooked perfectly. It's I feel like it's marinated for days before they they give it to you. But Q39 and and uh Jack's Stackhouse. If you're ever in Kansas City, you can't go wrong with any of them. And you you you've got a you know you got a little bit of a um 
appetite. Well, you sent me to, I went to that place in Philly. I thought it was very good. You call me fat. <laughs> oh, you know what? You like to eat, right? What does that mean? You, know, you got a you got a mature palate. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, 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 sure. But um, you sent me to that Dallas Andros in Philly. I thought that was very good, but I'm still not like I'm still not sure where I had like the best. Yeah, cheesesteak. Hit mess sometimes. Yeah, it, yeah. Like they're all it a little hit. And depends mess. what you like. Like if you've been to Portillo's and you like that where they drizzle on that watery type sauce and you like the bun all soaked I, that's not for me but some people rave about that stuff yeah from chicago so i i, I never really loved the cheese whiz as a kid i grew up with wawa and i liked having my cheese melted but um then again like i don't mind the cheese was that they have now because like some places with a philly cheesesteak they'll have the nacho cheese machine where it has that nacho cheese come out, and that's that's not it. It has to be the Philly, the 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 cheese whiz, um, from whatever cheese take place. But I remember D'Alessandro's. You can't go wrong with the, the two. Uh, what are they? They're they're right across the street from each other. It's cash only too. It's kind of a bummer, but um, no, you know what? I I wanted to. Oh, you know, I, a, there you go. God, I couldn't think of it. Pat and Gino's, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I you like, can't either of those two either. You can't go wrong. With, but I think next time I go, I'm going straight to to Gino's. To yeah, Gino's. I think I'm kind of older, Pat. I want what? like, I want you know, I've gone a dozen times in a row now, type of a deal. Okay. And it's like it's time to go pay a little attention to the guy across the street, see what he's got going on. Right. But you know, I want to tell you something, and Pat. You you know I I've never lived in Jersey, but I have a real I think I've told you I have a real affinity for the Jersey Shore. I got a good buddy down in Atlantic City, and uh, you know, um, Connecticut as a whole it's it's great here, but I'm telling you, like it would be a much better place to live if there was a Wawa type situation. Oh. In yeah. every one of these towns. It's just so crazy. Like, I don't really feel... I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Jersey is just so much more traveled. There's so much more travel going on in Jersey that Wawa is just so necessary. But, like, I, I honestly feel like Dan so can have a Wawa type of a thing. Type of a thing. And, and the, the, the Wawa is just unbelievable. I mean, Jer Jersey Shore, North Jersey. It's literally from... It's literally well, from Florida. They're down in Florida now, and then and then once you get past there, apparently they're putting twenty six in Georgia in the next year. Oh, yeah, it's just the ultimate convenience store. If you've been to a Sheets or like a Seven Eleven, it's kind of like those on Juice. Sheets is unbelievable. I mean, I when me and Pat we're went down, sheets, and went, we couldn't believe the Sheets. Like I, I think Pat, that never been to Wawa. I haven't. You haven't been to Wawa? No, yeah, no. Dude. I've been wanting to try one, but I got to be honest. I'm from New York City. And, you know, there's the, I, I do think that there's a common misconception where there's a there's tons and tons and tons of good food in New York City. But just just by just by sheer, just by sheer number, but just by sheer numbers, because of the amount, there's also a ton of bad food. There's also a ton of stuff that's just like, ah, this is gross. You know what I mean? Like, but but I can tell you this, a Wawa sandwich is almost never bad, almost yeah. like. It's almost a hundred percent of the time good. The bread isn't as gross as any. It's not gross like Subway bread or anything like that, or you know what I mean. Like it's, go to, when you go to just any fast food joint, and it's like, okay, I asked for no tomato, 
no pickles, and they just throw everything on and don't care. Like, you get what you ask for at Wawa, and it's and it's good quality too. I'll tell you another thing, and that, that again, it's I honestly think Connecticut would be a much better state if they could figure this out. Maryland has, I you probably know what's it called? Um, the chicken place, the chicken convenience, Royal Farms. Royal Farms, yeah. And you go in there, and the and the concept is just buckets of chicken in the in the yeah. gas station almost, right? Like that's the and, and then, then there's a so like Connecticut's really missing that, and I think Herm needs to get on that right away. Herm. Herm Sorchin. Divine, before we let you get out of here, man, could you could you just for the just to entertain us a little bit, what what do you remember about playing in Danbury, your experience here? Um well, is there any people you keep in contact with? What's the, you know, we know that you kind of became a heel for us during that championship run for the Wolves. It was actually being kind of a friend of yours for a while now. It was so funny, like from my perspective, to watch you playing that that heel role kind of against Danbury for the Wolves. But what was your memories of actually being on the Danbury side? I remember the long walk from the locker room. God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 uh. uh. I hated it. Um, it was cool though. That that was like my first like real experience of that being my professional team. Cause like I went into Watertown the year before and that place was not the rink it is now. And it's still not even really compared to, you know, Danbury's setup in size, right. but um, you know, like, Esposito, the coach has his own office. There's an actual equipment room. Um, there was a, you know, the, the players lounge. Um, we had a weight room in there. I haven't seen it lately, but the locker room part hasn't changed, but um, it was, it just kind of felt professional. Um, and then you come out of those doors and there's what, like 30 rows of, of bleachers. And uh, what's what's the row behind the visitors bench? That place was always loud, and uh, oh yeah, it made it made playing at home um, a lot easier uh, when I was on Danbury. But again, unfortunately, I got I got hurt a month in and didn't really come back until playoffs. But um, I actually have more memories playing against Danbury, which again were all nothing but. Uh, you know, great memories that I'll never forget um, playing there in the semi and playing there in the finals against them for game one. And then um, playing, uh, what was it? The, the hat tricks. Yeah. Two years ago. Yes. Those were always good games. Um, I, I mean, as of late, obviously they've, they've, the fan base I think has grown a bit, but um the fact that they now have that, that bar upstairs, that Holy cow, like that's unbelievable what they did and to help keep, you know, something to do after the game, the players and the fans. But I, to answer your question, I, I still keep in close touch with uh, Charlene Bates. Oh yeah. Charlene. She's, fantastic. She, and Charlene. Yeah, she'll come down. My, my, uh, my nephew has a, uh, he has hearing aids and oh. she comes down. We have a walk for, you know, kids with hearing aids. That's um, awesome. She'll she'll come down every other year or something like that. But she just texted me Happy New Year yesterday. So um, we keep in touch. She always you know thinking of you. Like, call me if you need me. You know I I have a couple of moms like that from you know playing in junior and other pro teams like that. But um, Charlene um, will probably always be a part of my life until 
one of us, you know, <laughs> passes on, but, um, yeah, that's, that's probably why I'm, I'm, I'm so close with just Danber and being on good, good, good terms with, with Herm and stuff like that. It's just cause be, mainly because of Charlene, um, she took care of me while I was there. Um, she's my other way from home. So, um, other than that, uh, Danbury, if, if I was somebody in the Fed that was looking for a home, I would say go to Danbury. Yeah, huh? Yeah. I want to ask you, you know, being a South Jersey guy, a Philly guy, um, we've, we've put this question to Johnny Ruiz a few times. You Like, we talk about it all the time because, I, you know, I was starting to look at that league map of the Fed again, you know, and it's getting – the ECHL is very thin in the Northeast right now. It's just like there's two or three teams clustered. You have Massachusetts, Maine, uh, Reading still around, right? Yep. Then you have Newfoundland. Yeah, well, they're way up there. Yeah. But but our Northeast, you know, it's it's pretty vacant for minor league hockey. I mean, like, let me ask you something. Um, if you if you could look at some of these places just in South Jersey or even in the the kind of I think Pennsylvania is tough because Scranton is kind of Scranton and Allentown are just kind of like right there and all that. But like South Jersey area, do you think a team could work in the fed and where would you put it? Yeah. They were talking about that one place with the really cool uh, ceiling. Um, I think it's where like the mud dogs played or something like that back in the nineties, early two thousands. I don't know. Um, Oh, Trent. um, I don't know. It was like a really cool, like theater looking place. It was a big horseshoe, and um, the Ice Palace. Man, I don't know. I was going to say the Bullies played there. No, the Bullies. I think it's where the Bullies. Oh, played. you mean Atlantic City? Yeah. So. Yeah, in Atlantic City. Uh, Boardwalk Hall. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think a Fed team should go there. I think it could work. I mean, like, I, I just think that where else would you do it, and where else would you have the foot traffic to me people walking on the boardwalk the thing about atlantic city is listen it, it's not what it used to be in terms of the the, the resort world that it that it once was and the, and the the beach the beach isn't as nice as it could be you know god knows what a type of environmental stuff has to happen in order for that place to get cleaned up but there's still tons of casinos there's resorts there's you know big pools and, and nightlife there I think the Jersey Shore absolutely could have a place. You know, it's like I, I, like I said, I said it before. You put it to these guys. If you had, like I said, you, you you're a guy now. You're in the ECHL, but I mean, you know, if there was, if 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 you said to yourself, hey, you know, I, I'd like to even keep going past this ECHL run, and that was an opportunity for you to get paid well in the Fed in a place like Atlantic City and near friends and family, you could you could make perhaps dip your foot into a job or a career. Uh, I don't know. I think that that, I think that there's just so much talent for this league. You can say what you want about the fed, but if you look at it on its own, if you don't compare it to the SPHL, if you don't compare it to the ECHL, it's a fun, entertaining league. And there's a lot of talent that could play in it. Mm -hmm. Um, It just gotta be, it's probably just gotta be closer to home for a lot of these guys, you know, at at the prices that are going to be paid. That I think if you're like, hey, just play home games. I think Jersey, Atlantic City could put a really good team together. And I and I just just like we said before, there's got Lewiston, Maine has been out, and I don't know what population wise, Maine is a little tricky. But like, there's got to be another place in New England. I was just looking at it the other day. 
you know, I was watching, you guys watch the outdoor game. Yeah. You guys yep. watch it. You know, you check out that segment where they had Eichel up against Maddie Beniers. It was just a little segment where they compared the two guys, both from Massachusetts. Now you're trying to tell me that there aren't 300 guys who would show up to a tryout for a well-run fed league team somewhere in, I mean, mass is so tough. You know, there's a lot of D one hockey, but somewhere in, somewhere in new England's got a new Hampshire or Maine somewhere. I think could work. Vermont's a little tough. To, I don't think there's the facility, but I'm just saying like the talent for this league is out there and, and, and you see it all the time. You see guys pop up that local guys who are kind of hanging out that hadn't played in a couple of years. Guy had pro experience and he's back in the game all of a sudden in the fed. You know? Yeah, you would have to you would have to target those guys that, you know, had the division one route, but chose to stay home and work and, you know, play division one club hockey or just didn't play at all because they needed to start working. Um, if you could throw that guy 500 bucks to play on the weekend. A guy who that works Monday through Friday, play 500 on the weekend in Boston, Massachusetts or somewhere in, in one of the smaller town. Absolutely. Um but like I'll, I, I've talked to guys that, you know, have gotten released from here. And I was like, Hey, like, what's your plan? Would you go down to the SP? Cause I got a spot for you. And then everyone's, everyone's too good to go to the SP. <laughs> yeah. That's play division one or a draft pick or, you know, even, even a guy that was here that we, we traded. Um, he played division three. Wow. One championship. But, uh, I asked him, I was like, Hey, would you be willing? And he was like, I'd retire before I go to the SP. So wow. you have to, those guys that has had the talent and chose a different route in life, but are still willing to play and love to play men's league that can play in the fed because it is, yes, it's, it's kind of like a beer league where half of the team of the guys can move up and half of the guys kind of don't belong and it meshes together and you have a fed team. Um, I think if you could find those guys that, were good enough to play ECHL back in the day that are now 30 years old who still want to play and make a few bucks. You could throw a guy that had that kind of a commit back then when he was, you know, 16, 17 years old to go division one, took a different route, you know, kind of regret, you know, having a flashback. Oh man, I wish I, you know, could have one more chance. And you, there's a fed team that comes to town hundred percent. That dude's lacing up the skates. Yeah, that's 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 just the way I I think that this league could could grow is if especially in the Northeast you got to figure out a place where you could put it where there's a big pool of players. That's we've enjoyed that in Danbury. I've said it a hundred times, and I hope we never lose it. We we enjoy a big pool up here because Danbury is the only team in the New York City tri-state area and New England technically in the league. That think about it. There's there's no team in New England. Other well, than our, our team, and the, think, think about the Jersey Shore with what living's like during the winter. Everyone, there's no one living there in the winter, other than people that live there year round. But if there's people like the Jersey Shore, where you can find cheap housing during the winter, and there's Jersey Shore is pretty big, right? You like find said, people of hockey, but live too far away from the Devils or the Flyers or the Rangers that I'm just thinking- want to play hockey every Friday night. I'm thinking that that's what the setup in Biloxi is like. Yeah. Know, it's, it's probably a little colder, you know, you yeah. can't, can't, and those were, that's probably where the guys live. You know I mean? Maybe not, but I, again, it, it would bring, 
it would bring something to the boardwalk. But again, dude, I remember being a little kid. Divine, you'll like this. I remember being a little kid and I was on an elevator and we were from New York City. And I was on an elevator in Atlantic City with my grandmother and I was wearing a devil's jersey back then. I had a hundred jerseys. And it was like the devils are about to go up against the flyers in the and and this like big truck driver looking dude with a flyers hat on just starts talking shit to like me, a 10-year-old kid. <laughs> and and what resonated in my mind is, dude, this is a town where some 50-year-old guy is gonna talk smack to a 10-year-old kid in a in a hockey jersey. You know, there's a great Atlantic City in itself is a great sports town. It just does boxing is basically the major league sport that was there for years. You know, there was it did okay when they had the ECHL. It's expensive operation. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, if you if it's cheaper. So oh. if you have the casinos there, you have someone that's a wealthy guy that's always at the casinos, fucking convince him to chip in on a Fed team. And you remember another thing, Len. Oh, Barry Soskin. <laughs> uh, that's that's what I said. I, I I know he probably had Barry Soskin probably has mixed feelings about the hosts of this show, but um, I can tell you that um, I can tell you that uh, I'd love to see him create that opportunity in Atlantic City, and and it's the it's the um, it's the type of thing where um, a few years ago they had an arena football there, and I just don't think that that's a strong enough thing. Like, dude, the Fed is all over the place now. Like, right. it's it's crazy. When this guy Divine played in this league, this was a league that felt. Like some of these, I'm, and I'm not trying to diss anybody who played then. There were a lot of fantastic, uh, and and I think Ryan Devine would be the first guy to tell you. There's a lot of better hockey players than him, yeah. and, and and other guys in that in that league in those early. Pierre Desjardins was a fucking wizard, um, in this league, but but what I'm trying to say is is uh, it's come a long way. Like it felt in those years when Devine and them and the Whalers were around. Not not for nothing. It was a great show. But the league yeah. was behind a paywall online. Nobody knew what was going on. Like nobody, no. nobody watched road games. Like nobody well, really watched. the YouTube has opened it up. I like, I like how the YouTube has completely opened this league up. It's shining the light. I'm sure the teams are are selling tons of merch. If they ever thought about getting off YouTube just to make a couple of bucks, it would be the biggest mistake. And just just look how it's grown. Um. Divine, but before we let you go, you do, do you want to um I don't know, do you want to say anything to the people back in Danbury and uh you know uh send any remarks this way? To Danbury. Oh, what's 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 your following? What's how how long have you guys been the, the, the Danbury Patrick's podcast? How many how many listeners we got here? Oh uh, fucking millions around the world, bro. Millions. Millions. <laughs> uh, 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 uh. We went right past the millions and straight to the billions. Are you straight the billions now? Jeez. Yeah, bro. <laughs> wow. What, what could I say to the Danbury, the Danbury fans that that hated my guts for all those years, minus <laughs> minus the two months I was a whaler. Um, yeah, I, I still I still think about uh, playing there, and I, I I wish I wish I was ten years older to where I could have played for the Trashers back in the day. Because watching that documentary, that was. That was probably one of the coolest documentaries I've ever seen. AJ Galante's, you know, video camera footage that he had. Um, that just shows that that Danbury's uh, one of and will always be one of the uh, toughest places to play in the Fed for sure. 
I always, I always played my best because people would always target me because I played there before and I had some things that, that people were able to target me for, but um, it always helped me play better. But uh, you, you, there's, there's nothing really else to talk about in Danbury other than the fans of the, of the hockey team. Um, they're, they're, they'll always be there. So I, I appreciate them for always being there and supporting whether I was on the home bench or the away bench. But, um, uh, yeah, Danbury will always be a home for me. That's for sure. And what's next up for the Mavericks? Like what's your next couple of weeks look like? You guys have anything on the calendar? We actually have all-star break coming up. So we don't play for 10 days. Wow. Um, but we go to Idaho for three and three. We uh, play there Wednesday of next week and then Friday, Saturday. The word, and those games are already sold out. So yeah, the word is that should that be fun. Jeremy Leblonsky wants to fight. You. Yeah, over. I don't think he'll be there. I don't think I'm. Um, I'm probably not even going to be in the lineup for the first game. Um, we've had defensemen with a concussion, and then coming back from break, we had a defenseman that was sick, and uh, he's coming back. And uh, I don't know if I got suspended or not for having. Uh, a second fight in a game with under five minutes to go. I don't know. I don't think I am, but um, regardless, if I got a chance to fight Jeremy Yablonski, don't know what I would do. I, I don't have a tactic, but <laughs> I, I think I'm a little bit bigger than he is, taller-wise, so maybe I'd play the reach and that's it, but I would just do my best not to get hit because I saw a video of him skating around in warm-ups, and that dude's neck is bigger than the, the – uh, the head for his jersey, the the head hole. That you could see you could see the jersey flapping up on the sides of his neck. There's that's there's uh I, I want nothing to do with that dude. <laughs> Seeing that he's only out there just to do that. But um if it came to it, I think that'd be one hell of a hell of a fight card to have on my resume. <laughs> Who's who, who do you think just you know at this point you you've you've kind of uh who do you think's the toughest guy you fought at this point? At this point? Yeah. Toughest guy I fought. Um, I think uh, – you, did Jablonski get like one game with the Blues or something like that? I don't know. Yeah, he did. He did. I don't think – I'd he, say toughest fighter probably of all time other than Probert in the NHL. I think it's got to go to Morasty. That dude's fought every single dude bigger than him, 100 pounds heavier. Even Yablonski, that makes him look small. Did, uh, you, did you ever fight him? No, I, I fought Sicard in the in the SP. He was um, he was a sick dude. He was a sick dude, and I was I was a scared little puppy when I fought him. I was twenty two years old. He wore and, shoulder uh, pads or anything. He was crazy. Yeah. Well, we were losing four to two in Knoxville, and I was on Columbus Cottonmouths, and it was between me and one other guy that were going to get cut. And this kid got in a pretty good fight with one of the big dudes, one of just a mean, ugly-looking dude on Knoxville with a huge beard. And uh, he went toe-to-toe and did pretty well. So I was I was chasing around Sicard on a penalty kill in the neutral zone. I was chasing him around, and I, I locked him up, and he was throwing punches and couldn't reach me. And I got loose and threw an uppercut, and he went backwards, took the W. <laughs> and uh, that's the last time I saw Sicard. But um, – I mean, yeah, he was a tough dude, but uh, n- nowhere close to as strong as any of the guys that I've fought this year in the ECHL. There's no one in the in the, in the SB or the Fed that compares to 
um, I don't want to say experience, but just the, 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 the overall skill and, um, the footwork of, of that guys have here, where if you grab onto a guy, they're, they're pretty fucking strong on their feet. They've, they've mm-hmm. got a good hole. So un- unless I got a guy that I can get moving, um, the fights this year are, aren't even comparable to what I went through with ice wars and in the SP and the fed. It's just, again, bigger, faster, stronger. You, you can sign, you can sign a goon, like, you know, chase tip. And <laughs> I play with him in Watertown, he, you know, it's just not the same because it's, it's guys like him, but are just a little bit shorter, but uh, much better skaters and stronger on their feet. So, um, it's it's harder to get a guy going uh, off his feet and just start teeing off on him in this league. But um, What's toughest the guy, toughest guy, I would have to say is probably this year Dylan Boucher. He's 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 a smaller guy, but he's 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 stocky and he's he's got a good hold on his skates to where uh, he can throw both hands too. So I'd have to say him so far. Before, well, what's the word on um ice wars? Are you going to be doing that again? Is that something that's going to happen? Or it's just not enough money because yeah. I'm I'm at the end of my rope here with with playing. Um, to where I got I got to look forward to uh, refereeing, and the my connection with that. If if they tell me, hey, you can play one more year, okay, maybe. But if they're like, hey, we'll we'll get you in the right place, but you got to stop playing now and start you know, come to the combine and do all that, then I'll just have to do it. I think I got to leave the whole ice wars thing behind. This is kind of a one and done thing for me. It was kind of needed the money and then found out the money was cut in half from the year before. So (laughs) um, wasn't too happy about that, but I was still hurting to where, you know, only what, two minutes, four minutes, six minutes of fighting for five grand uh, was worth it. Is that what you got? Five grand? Well, it was four grand total, but then I also got uh, fight of the night and knockout of the night because the, the finals, it was a TKO. So, so you got 500 bu- uh, 5,000 bucks. Yeah. Five, five grand, yeah. Nice yeah, little chunk. Okay. Hey, easiest 5K I've ever made. That's there you sure. go. Yeah. yeah. First fight was hard. I mean, we, we talked about that before. That, 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 men's, that guy played men's C-League, but it was a two-time amateur Muay Thai kickboxing champion. Wow. wow. And it's on synthetic ice, so it's not much skating. It's kind of just standing there. And he kind of just stood there and kind of just stepped his way into me. So I had the advantage of being better on my feet, but he was one tough dude. Hmm. It's interesting. You brought a little, you know, you brought a little something to it. You came out there in your flyers pants and uh, <laughs> you tried to, you know, do your best broad street bully. So I, I like, yeah. I think, I think it was, uh, I think it was cool. I just, yeah, at those prices, you know, it's, it's probably tough. Yeah, it was one of those once-in-a-lifetime things. It was like, you know what? I'm probably not going to do it th- next year. I'm probably going to say what if my whole fucking life. So I was like, you know what? Let's do it. So That's the way to go. Ryan, thanks for right. coming on the show. It's Good been an absolute you, pleasure. Uh, wish thanks. you the best in the new year. Good luck. Yeah, the, the season uh, update. Yeah, we'll, we'll get oh, back yeah. with you. No, that'd be awesome. Good to see you, Devine. 
Yeah, nice to see you guys too. Thanks for thanks for hitting record this time. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. Take care, buddy. We hope we don't fuck up again. Yeah, we should be yeah. good. Be careful thanks. with that, bro. <laughs> Bye.